You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins here on the board as well. And coming off a of bye week, the Colts host the Houston Texans this weekend. First place in the AFC South on the line. And Mike, I've been saying on the air this week, it's just a little bit of a scheduling coincidence in the NFL that both the Colts and the Texans are coming off wins over the Chiefs coming into this game. So both teams should have plenty of momentum and confidence beating a team that many consider to be one of the best in the AFC. Yeah, we were talking in the press room today, and maybe I'm in the minority, but but the way the teams were when they played them, I think the Texans have a better offense than the Chiefs. Because remember when the, when the Colts played the Chiefs, uh, no Sammy Watkins and no Tyreek Hill. So I, I think this use, this this is going to be a massive test for the defense because you've you got the quarterback who's here we go again MVP candidate. Well, that's what that's what Mahomes was <laughs> yeah, right. two weeks ago. But they've got they've got the receivers again. My WR one. I still think Hopkins is. If I'm starting, you've sung team, his praises for many years. If, if I'm starting a team, he he's my receiver to start with, and then I'll go with Ty to keep the local people happy. But they've got their running game. They're, they're you know, we, we got uh, Joe sitting here with his run the damn ball hat. Yeah, he got it. And, the, and yeah, the, Col- the Colts are fourth in the league in rushing. Uh, the Texans are fifth. So, so they, they can come at you different ways. This is going to be a massive test for the defense. It, it's not the typical Texans team that we've seen the past couple of years that really did struggle to run the ball, where they were still um, – they, they had Lamar Miller and were trying to run him into the ground. Who was Blue? Yeah. What, was that? what was Blue? Alfred Blue. Alfred Blue. Yeah, so. Those two guys and uh, Deontay Foreman. Right. And uh, it, that, that staple is gone now. Right. It's, it's now Carlos Hyde who has more than 400 yards rushing. Um, he's, I think, top 10 in the NFL in rushing yards. He's 10th. And then Duke Johnson has thrown in 230, 240, something like that, yards, too. So it's not, well, it's, And the QB's got 164. Yeah, that, that helps, too. So it's not exactly like the Colts that are really riding uh, Marlon Mack for a good a good portion of the running yards. They're, they're really distributing it among a bunch of different people. Still, though, Carlos Hyde does seem to be the lead back, and um, it, it's something that... It, who said it this week? That uh, the team, it's Frank Reich who said in his press conference that he thinks the teams are kind of built similarly, and in that vein, trying to run the ball first and yet let that set up the offense. This is a Texans team that does want to run the ball first. And the, the difference being the quarterback and what what the teams are asking, either asking their quarterback to do or what their quarterback can do. We'll, we'll see over the course of the season if if Jacoby Brissett can sort of stretches legs. I, I sort of, again, the one thing I keep harping on is is they've got to get more vertical at times. Not Andrew Luck vertical, but but more threatening in their passing game. They're, the stat that just jumps off the page, he's averaging 6.4 yards an attempt, which is about near the bottom of the league. Jacob Brissett is, yes. Correct. And 9.8 yards per completion. I went back and looked, and in the Colts' history, I mean, going back to 53 They've never been under ten yards of reception, so you're in you're in sort of strange territory. And as much as Frank Reich is going to run Marlon Mack and Wilkins and Hines, they've got to get more consistently from the passing game. And this may be a game where you have to do that. Still a couple weeks away from uh, a return of um, Devin Funches. Yeah, Devin Funches. Thank you. He's, I, he's I had a eligible mind. games. Yeah. Game eleven, right? So, and and he's been asked. Uh, Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni both asked about him this week, just talking about kind of keeping him involved a little bit in meetings and stuff, just so he's mentally there. But um, certainly not going to be available for this week. Not even practicing yet. But um, uh, will Colts will have to look elsewhere as they have all all season long so far if they want to even try to match what Houston has been able to do. And and that that's difficult for any team in the NFL, honestly. Deshaun Watson averaging 274 yards passing this year. He's fourth in the NFL with 12 passing touchdowns, completing nearly 70 percent of his passes. And what's what's enabled him, Mike, to to be able to do that now, especially lately what the Texans offense has probably played their best over the past two weeks. One was a shootout win. Protection. Exactly. One, they scored 50 points over Atlanta, and then they beat the Chiefs last week is, you said it, protection. He has been sacked a grand total of zero times the last two weeks. And if you're talking 
uh, Texans offense. That That is an anomaly of all anomalies, it seems, because that offensive line had been a sieve in the past. Deshaun Watson was one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league alongside Andrew Luck I for a numbers. long time. I have numbers. Mike has numbers. Why, why don't you say those numbers, Mike? He started, he's, he's played 29 games, 28 starts, 99 sacks in 29 games. That was a league high 66 in 2018. Uh, and again, it was it was is it eighteen sacks this year? Yes. All all in the first four games, none the last two. And, and really, to tell you the history of the Texans, if they go sackless on Sunday, it sets a franchise record. They've never gone three straight games without allowing a sack. Which they, you know, somewhere David Carr just nodded and said that, yeah, really, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. So again, it, it's obvious. And we talk about this. It, this is not, you know, breaking ground. But when you keep your quarterback clean. He's had no sacks and three hits in the last two games. Now, one thing, again, that one of those games was Atlanta, and it's very clear that myself included, we all overestimated the Falcons. Highly. They are a dumpster fire. Oh, my goodness. And we all, all the uh, attention on Miami and all this, but uh, the Falcons are a mess. So, But again, getting back to Watson, he's just, he just... The difference, when you look at what when you've got he and, and Patrick Mahomes, to me the difference is Mahomes will run. Watson likes to run. Yeah. And I think when he gets outside, Mahomes will try to look downfield and look for plays. I think when Watson gets outside, sometimes there are options. He can really hurt you. And that's where you have to keep him in the pocket. They call it in the well. So you have to keep him and force him to beat you from the pocket. And Hopefully this pass rush that the Colts showed at Kansas City without Kamoko Ture can kind of get some pressure on him. And the point I wanted to make is especially in the red zone. He's got five rushing touchdowns this year. You know, it's harder to complete passes down there, but when you get a quarterback who can get in the end zone like that, really stretches the defense. And Frank Reich specifically asked, uh, the question he was asked about Deshaun Watts' mobility was, is it more important for the pass rush to get him or to contain him? And it, with with a guy who can move like that, that's that's a good question. You mentioned keeping him in the well. That's a phrase that uh, Reich mentioned that they use. They talk about guys they're facing. It's easier said than done for sure, says Frank. But you do have to have disciplined rush lanes. Um, he's invariably going to get out now and then when you get some pressure. Hopefully we get some pressure is what Frank says. And there have to be like we, we need to keep him in the well as much as we can. So th- th- that's certainly a point of emphasis this week that it's not rush uh, darn the torpedoes full steam ahead for these guys. It's um, stay disciplined in your lanes. And I- even if that means you're kind of bowling into someone, then then tough luck. You're going to have to just try to fight that and not not be undisciplined, not try to go outside when you should go inside, not go inside when you should go outside as a defensive end, and and, and not uh, – don't try to be a hero is what we say back in the sports office. Do your job. I was looking. He's they, They've played him three times last year. He didn't play him in 17. I can't remember what the injuries were that kept him out of the game. But in three games, they've gotten to him for 12, 15 sacks, including seven – uh, in, in the overtime loss here last year, he's rushed uh, six for 41, five for 35, and last year in the playoffs, eight for 76. So in the playoff game last year, he, he did hurt him. Uh, but again, he's hurt him both ways. The game here in Indy, the overtime, he th- throws for 375 and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the problem he creates is, you know, with the defense, when you're getting coverage for whatever, three, four, five seconds, you think you're doing a good job, and he's back here running around buying time, and you can only cover for so long. So sometimes quarterbacks like this, they, they take a very, very well-played scheme on each play, and he trashes it by buying time. And certainly helps him to have two, two very good receivers. One of them, as we mentioned, DeAndre Hopkins, arguably the best receiver in the NFL. I, I go back to he last my year. Vote. Yeah, I, I go back to the stat last year that every single catchable ball – he caught last. You didn't get not one single drop, not one. 
out of every ball that was thrown his and, way. And then he dropped one at Kansas City at the goal line. Yeah. You, you want to say, wait a minute. What just happened? Who is that guy? And actually, Will Fuller as well, um, one of the best deep ball receivers in the NFL. Did, did, did three touchdowns? He dropped three touchdowns, I know, because I decided to start him in my fantasy league. As over, did I. Over, I started him <laughs> over scary Terry McLaurin, too. Uh. Indy zone, Terry McLaurin, who went off and scored two touchdowns and had 100-plus, I think, receiving yards. So that that's my own stupid fault. I apologize to all of Cathedral Fighting Irish Nation. Uh, and, and it is a mistake that I will not be making again for sure. But uh, Will Fuller, the week before, Will Fuller had 14 catches, 200 plus yards, 217 three, three and touchdowns. three. Yeah, r- ridiculous numbers. So like, he's a guy who can go off like that. He just has monster weeks. And if if he gets free, if he gets beyond the defense, if he gets behind the safeties, and um, but but again, the next highest yardage total for him this year in the, their six games after the 217 yards was 69 in week one. So he's not he's not a guy who's going to be your consistent guy like a DeAndre Hopkins is. He's going to be the uh, the home run hitter. And like I said, he's probably one of the best home run hitters in the league. And still, DeAndre Hopkins this year, um, he, he hasn't blown up. And he's kind of due, in my opinion. Like, he, he's been he's been steady-ish. Only two touchdowns. Kansas City, nine catches for 55 yards. Yeah. He's a possession guy, really? He's turning into it, it seems like. But... But like I said, you 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 can't anticipate that he's going to be like that at the start of the season to the end of the season. He's going to get his. And uh, the Colts, when it comes to their secondary, Mike, we were talking this week that um, when you're out of practice today, today being Thursday, uh, it, it wasn't the most comforting uh, sight out there for the Colts secondary right now. Malik Cooker, who's missed three games, whatever it is now, he's out working with trainers. I don't think he plays this week. But more concerning is Kenny Moore and uh, Pierre Desir didn't practice. Didn't appear early on. They were practicing. That's two days in a row coming off a bye. I'm guessing they're being extremely uh, cautious. They came out of that. Remember though, they came out of the Kansas City game early uh, with injuries and then went back in. But fr- Friday's participation report is going to be massive to see because you know y- you just need all your guys back there, all your top guys. Hey, Shaq Taylor came in and played a handful of plays and, hmm. and, and held his own. But you, you you need your top guys, and Kenny Moore and and Desir are your top guys. And Desir had a great hand in limiting Hopkins last year, especially in the playoff games. You know, keep in mind that the Colts went – they've won, I think it's four of the last five against the Texans. Correct. Including two massive games, the one in December down there, when you couldn't afford to lose. Mm-hmm. And in the playoff game, so uh, you, you need your 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 best guys. You're going to get Darius Leonard back, which is massive. He's had in those three games against Watson, 38 or 39 tackles, uh, and that's I remember talking. We talked to Chris Ballard one time, and he's, it's not the the primary reason, but he said when you have a Darius Leonard, you need those kind of guys against Deshaun Watson, basically because he can run the guy down. Instead of Watson getting out for a 25, 30 yarder, maybe it's seven yards or eight yards. So you need that speed with he and um, Anthony Walker and, and Okariki. So th- this is, you, you don't have everybody back. I'll feel a lot better Friday if Desir and Kenny Moore are out there practicing. And, and it's, po- it's beneficial to have linebackers at full strength anyway, because this year the Texans are using their tight ends maybe a bit more than they have in the past, too. They have a duo of Darren Fells or Jordan Atkins who've Combined for 28 receptions, 355 yards, and five touchdowns so far, Mike. So they're getting involved well, and that's more than the Colts trio, albeit the Colts have played one one fewer game, one less game than um, than the Texans have. Those numbers year. are kind of like Travis Kelsey. They kind of are, by yeah. Him, by himself. You put them all together. So, again, that's why I say this, this, the way this offense is right now, and, when, and on top of the protection, it's this. This will be to me their, their biggest test of the season. Another uh, yeah. point I want to bring up here is Kenny Stills returned to practice this week, so that's just another weapon mm-hmm. for the Texans. If you know the Colts cornerbacks aren't at full strength, All right? If they can bring him in, even in a limited role, we've seen like, Stills what he can do in the past through past years when he was a Dolphin, and well, the Dolphins could use any weapons they could get right now. But no, 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 second, uh, there's no tangent. No, 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 exactly, it's no, magic. No, back. No. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fitz magic once again. Um, but. Let's see. This game that the Colts are hosting, the Texans. Mike, you mentioned that the Colts have won four of the last five overall. 
But here in Indy, the Texans have won three of the last four. So it's been kind of it's been kind of a funny back and forth that not exactly what you would think coming here to Indy. Then uh, the Texans have won more than you would think. I think even maybe a couple of those were Brandon Whedon games or um, I thought there were two uh, Whedon yeah. and another. Same yeah. guy like Whedon. Right. And it, and it cost him the, the playoffs. Maybe T.J. Yates. But, and it cost him the playoffs because they finished 8-8 eight eight that year. Yep. It cost him, a couple cost years him ago. the playoffs. That was, yeah, that, with that was with Andrew Luck. There's been some disappointing Texans losses at Lucas Oil. I mean, there's that one. Then there was the 4-4 and four play last year, 4-3 and three overtime play. That, um, that that come up a couple times this week among different guys, among Frank Reich, among Nick Sirianni and players in the locker room. Um we can look back on it now, and even though the Colts lost, I think, the next game after that. Next two. Next two. A lot of people point to that as what could have been a quote-unquote turning point or a mental turning point. Jacoby Brissett kind of pressed that aside. He said, well, I wasn't playing I wasn't anyways. Play, yeah, that <laughs> yeah, was funny. But um, but it, it was at least a, a point where everybody realized that Frank Reich was practicing what he was preaching about being an aggressive play caller and not being afraid to go for it. Where I mean, I remember looking back, and I was watching it from the press box, saying, I think this is the wrong call in this game, but it could have been the right call for an entire season uh, or for a just a coach to have that type of a mentality. So it, 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 it still puts me in maybe an awkward position since I still believe it was at the time the wrong call. But nevertheless, this is what Frank Reich does, and everybody by now is certainly used to it. And he's shown more than just a little bit of success this year. The Colts are perfect in four seven downs. Seven out of seven. Yep. And it, it's it's situations. I, I probably wouldn't have gone for it either. I think what he – remember, I, I can still remember his, his uh, press conference after the game. He walked in and said, let's address it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wasn't afraid to address uh, uh, it. That's what we were going to do. There was never yep. a second out. That's how we roll. Uh, but again, if you go back and look, ha- had they settled for the tie and everything works out the same, they win the division, and you get the first round at home. So, but but again, I think it was it was it was Frank Reich saying, "This is who we are going to be." You know, now if the, if that ball had been, it was fourth and three at the forty-three with twenty-seven seconds to play. If they had been at the thirty, he probably does. Yeah, I, I, it, it's situations. Mm-hmm. And if you remember the very first play that Houston goes, it's a whatever it was a twenty it was yarder a to big play. Yeah, basically got him in field goal right. range right away. Right. So it, it's it's still time and, and place and situation. But the the message is from Frank Reich is we're going to be aggressive. And one thing people I think was lost last week when when Houston plays at, at Kansas City is, is O'Brien did the same thing. Not not the same situation, but they were driving for a what would have been a ceiling field goal. The Texans were, and it got to be around the forty thirty five yard line, and it's fourth and two or fourth and three in the last couple of minutes, and he goes for it, where a field goal, a long field goal, would, would have iced it. But of course, he's also got a kicker who has missed four extra points and three field goals. What I is talk, it with kickers, man? I talked to Vinatieri today. I said, this isn't about you. I said, but what is it about these extra points? <laughs> you have to preface that. This right. isn't about you, right. Adam. Because <laughs> we think you got your act together yeah. for now. But it's, you know, Goskowski had missed th- three or four. This guy's missed four. Vinny's missed two, three. Mm-hmm. And it's, I told him, I told him, and I'll have to give up an hour of my day. I want to go back and look at how many extra points are being missed. He said previously that, Extra points, you could go out there and just sleep and hit them. We were at a Super Bowl a couple of years, several years ago, and he set a world record with most extra points in like a minute. Right, I can't remember what it was, but we, I, I've got I've got a video of it. And you, you basically step back, kick, step back, kick, step back, kick, because they're right there. Right, they're right in front of you. Mm-hmm. But he said these are actually now these are field goals, and he said there's something about it. But yeah, it's it, they're not automatic at all. Well, yeah, in 2015, they moved him back, I think, to the 33. Right, so right. now they're instead of know, just a 20 yarder. So. Yeah, they're not. Well, Matt, Matt Bryant anymore. misses one, and oh, it costs. And, and it, that's why the Falcons are Falcons. where they are. It, it's incredible. A, a quick note about the Falcons, though, like it, it, as very disappointed as that fan base has to be in in their in their play this year. Matt Ryan is actually on the verge of breaking an NFL record. Uh, that I, I read this this week that he's started the year six straight games with 300 yards plus passing. And that has tied the record. If he throws for 300 yards again, he would be the first quarterback in NFL history to start a season with seven straight 300-yard games. Wow. So Matt Ryan still is Matt Ryan, but nobody else there 
is uh, is performing. So he'll set a record with 16 straight games for that, a two that, and 14 team. That's quite Congre- possible. Right congratulations. Now. Yes, that is quite possible, and he'll have a new head coach next year if that is the case, or at some point this year. Right, that's true. Um, let's see. Colts best performer against the Houston Texans. Anybody? The clown. That's right. The one and only T.Y. Hilton. We. It's funny. There's there's a a mural of him on the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium on the south side, and there should be one in Houston. Darn right. It's it's a regular season is 16 games. What is it now? NRG Stadium or is it Reliance Stadium? I don't know. The it, it, they, alphabet they soup. It like I lose it. Does. Yeah, exactly. But he's played 15 games, including the playoffs, against Houston, which is basically a season. Mm-hmm. 81 catches, 1,530 yards, nine touchdowns. He's had seven of his 100-yard career games against the Texans, including, what was it, 233? Where was it? 223 and 14. And then last year, remember the game in December, 12 targets, nine catches, 199 mm-hmm. on, on one leg. So it's really incredible. He's had, I think, 100 yards in four of the last five. And it's funny, we ask him, T.Y. never really gives you a lot to help your storyline because mm-hmm. he just he just doesn't. We he said, gives you a good quip here and there, you right. know? Yeah. But we said, why is it that you have, you know, what What do you point to? He said, well, he said, I just, you know, whatever. I take what they give me. They're apparently giving me a lot. Yeah. So it, it's incredible because they got Romeo Cornell down there, you know, a, a Belichick disciple. And the one thing that Bill Belichick preaches, and we've talked about this, is you take away the other team's best option and make them play left-handed as they talk. And Houston can't, can't well, whatever, do that. So is T.Y. that good? Maybe he is, but don't you go into this game and say, Chester Rogers has to beat us because we're going to have three guys on T.Y. Right. And he'll probably still have seven catches for 110 yards. Hasn't stopped him yet. And this is also going against the Texans. Their uh, starting cornerback, Bradley Roby, has been dealing with a hamstring injury. NFL.com's Eben Rappaport reports he's likely to miss about a month. Uh, he was on the practice was, field he Wednesday. Was, he, was called, he was listed as limited. Yeah. So, crazy. A month seems like a long time if somebody's already back at practice limited, but uh, nevertheless, he, he won't be at 100%. Limited is a very relative term. It really is. You, you can be out there for two plays and you're limited. Yeah, technically. You can fudge the report. Generally, the, the national guys who's, who have sources say, depending on who it is, I, I tend to believe. What they say. Yeah, Rappaport's usually, uh, he's one of the guys that's solid. Yeah, Joe? And Jonathan Joseph is coming off a tweaked hamstring as well, so neither of their starting cornerbacks. both of them. Absolutely. And, I mean... You want want full-go hamstrings if you're trying to cover T.Y. Hilton, even if he's on one hamstring, it seems like. Full-go hamstrings are a good scenario in any case. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) true. I I can tell you from personal experience. And, again, this is where, at some point, I, I, I keep beating the not dead horses, that someone else has to step up. We're waiting for Deion Kane. We are, still. Uh, More yeah. than just a 60-yard pass interference penalties. Correct. Although those are great. Those, but, are, those are great. Yeah. But again, whether whether that's going to be, again, Chester Rogers or, or Pascal or, or whomever, it won't be Paris Campbell. He's going to miss. I'm he's guessing, still out. I'm guessing he's going to miss a couple more games with that. Had surgery on the on the abdomen. A procedure, Mike. That that's offensive. How dare you say surgery? I bet surgery. they broke skin, so it's a surgery. <laughs> if, if they if they <laughs> poke something into my skin and it goes inside, it's a surgery, uh-huh. and it's major surgery on me. <laughs> so, um, Roby and sorry, Roby and Joseph, not the only two Texans dealing with injuries this week. Also, starting right tackle Titus Howard, the rookie, got knocked out of their game last week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, knee injury did not practice on Wednesday. I believe Bill O'Brien said he'll return at some point this season. So that certainly doesn't sound like some point this season is going to be Sunday. Uh, Sunday against the Colts in Indianapolis. And even further adding to that narrative, uh, the Texans added a couple of offensive tackles to their 53-man roster this week: Dan Skipper and Chris Clark, who had started games for them over the past uh, over several past seasons, but. Uh, was available because over the past several seasons, the Texans offensive line wasn't exactly stellar. You're bringing him in more because he's familiar with the system rather than he's a a true great uh, alternative in that sense. But That reminds me of all the years in the past when the Colts were bringing offensive linemen in week five and they would start or play in week six. Golly. And and it's a nice segue over to the, you know, while the Texans apparently have their offensive line fixed, we'll see losing Mm -hmm. their tackle. 
The Colts, you know, knock on wood, whatever we have here, they will start the same group for the eighth straight game. That'll be the longest streak since 2005. And, you know, th- this is a, a, an offensive line. Remember, there were 42 different starting groups for Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. And now they're starting, they and the New York Giants are the only teams to have their offensive linemen take all snaps thus far. That's remarkable. And the Colts are the only ones to have their offensive line and their quarterback because, you know, Eli Manning no longer is a quarterback right. in the, with the Giants. So the continuity is just, it, it's, it's massive. It's unusual here. And as long as his offensive line, again, knock on wood, stays together. I did a story on early in the, in the week, and I asked Costanzo, I said, are you superstitious? He said, well, not really. I said, okay. I said, he's, a I, little stitious. A li- he's a little stitious. <laughs> he said, no, not very. I said, okay, then I can do the story because it's kind of like talking to a pitcher about a pitcher's no-hitter in the eighth inning. Right. Because when a streak we, – we talked about Jacoby Brissett's streak of – Pass it was that interception. It was a hundred and whatever it got to be, hundred and two hundred, whatever. And then boom. And then a pick. But I would rather talk about these guys when it's going well as opposed to when it's not. But with Costanzo, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Glowinski, and Braden Smith, they're not only durable, but they're they're doing what Frank Reich wants to do. It allows them to run the football and protect the quarterback. Yeah, they've been they've been able to run the football among the best uh, teams in the NFL this this year. And you even wrote a story again this week online about Marlon Mack and the start that he's had and how T. Y. Hilton again says we got to ride that horse. You know, uh, that was a T. Y. quote, right? Right. That's what I thought but, it was. But at yeah. some point, at some point, they need to find another horse to ride along mm-hmm. with it. You need to have a tandem. I'm not sure if Jordan Wilkins is the guy. I, I, I guess he is because I. In my mind, this isn't a knock. I don't think it's Naheem Hines. He I, hasn't shown that ability yet. Like, he I just hasn't. Re- I love him as a receiver. Yes. I really do. I think he, 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 and he, he's much better than Mack at that. That's why he's their two-minute back. But they need to have, you know, again, Marlon Mack's on pace for 323 carries. That's just that's too much. So the, I think the last Colts to have two, 300 carries in a, in a season was, was Edgerin in 2005. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's too much. But at the same time, he doesn't feel like it's, it's wearing on him. They don't think it is, so they're going to ride the horse like T.Y. says. And, and I looked it up for the past couple years um, in terms of all the NFL over a season. And over the last four seasons, only one running back each season has topped 300 carries. Right. That's it. Last year it was Ezekiel Elliott. Two years ago it was Le'Veon Bell. Three years ago, it was Zeke again. And four years ago, can you guess who it was four years ago? It was a 30-year-old running back. It was not Frank Gore. Yes, it was Adrian Peterson four years ago for the Minnesota Vikings. And and Edron did it like six times in his career, five times in his career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then five years ago, DeMarco Murray had like 390 yards. It was carries for the Cowboys. Yeah, stupid. And then he was never the same after that. Never the same. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, exactly. That's why some teams, again, some teams take the approach with running backs unless you've got that Special guy. We'll, I'll put Zeke in there. People thought Todd Gurley was, and maybe not now. His knees, man. Right, and that's what you worry about. Teams, by and large, take the approach, we're going to get four years out of a running back, and then we're going to recycle. And I'm not saying what, that's what the Colts will do with Marlon Mack at all, because I think this kid, I think he's special. I, I do. Mm-hmm. I think if he can and, – and again, we talked – I remember in the offseason, people were talking about, well, injury-prone Marlon Mack. Don't give me that crap. Mm-hmm. He 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 played his entire rookie season with a torn labrum. Yeah, he played with it, and then last year he, he had the hamstring that cost him four games. But uh, he, he's and he missed was it the Oakland the fourth quarter of the Oakland game with an ankle. I think we're, we're we're still fuzzy on how that played into it. But I think Marlon Mack could be sort of a you know, long term for running back as a relative term. You know that four to six year guy, and then you look for something else. But right now he's emerging as a top ten. Running back without question. And if you're talking about keys to the game for the Colts against the Texans this weekend, I mean, running the ball has to be one of the top keys, if not the top key, honestly. And talking Marlon Mack, the Colts are 10-1 and when he gets 15 or more carries. 15 carries. That's not a lot. No, it's not. Like usually, you think twenty plus is right. probably getting getting to be the the upper range of carries in today's NFL. But yeah, fifteen carries with Marlon Mack there, ten and one. And if I'm not mistaken, the one loss was against the Chargers earlier this year because I think he had yeah, more than fifteen carries. Well, yeah, in that, that was game. his career high. Yeah, rushing yards up. 100, was hundred seventy? It was a bunch. Yeah, I believe it yeah, was. Joking about that up, but yeah, was, and I know it was more than fifteen carries. So up until that game, the Colts had been perfect when he rushed uh, fifteen or more times, and since then have been perfect since he has rushed. 
uh, 15 or more times. And only 4-4 four and four are the Colts when Matt gets less than 15 carries. Joe? 174 yards on 25 rushes in week one. Yep, yep there we go. So yeah, there, there's the one right there. And they should have won that game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Make a kick. Yep. Sorry, yeah. Adam. Well, and I'm not talking the PATs. Make that 29-yarder. Yep. And then, and then the, the, the what ended up being the game-tying touchdown would have been the game-winning touchdown. I think Darius Leonard would come back at you and say, make a tackle. Because he was he was very down on himself. Exactly. Who was the, the running back? Eckler. Eckler. Yeah. Austin Eckler. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's plenty of blame to go around. He would say. It's amazing when you look back at the schedule, teams that you thought were really really going to be good, like eh. the Chargers. I don't know if they lost They're two and four now. Right. Yeah. And the Falcons. I thought the Falcons were, oh, were going to be pretty yeah, good. They're trash. This. Yeah. Oakland's apparently better than what than what we thought they were going to be. And mm-hmm. and I want to see where Kansas City goes. They've got the game tonight. And until Mahomes gets his uh, ankle right, they're they're going to struggle. I was honestly stunned, stunned that the Texans won last week over the Chiefs. That the Chiefs lost back to back games at Arrowhead Stadium. I thought they'd have been so po yep. the Chiefs. Yep. That somehow or some way they were going to do it, and they got manhandled. Do, do you know if if Eric Fisher played in that game, their left tackle? Because I, I know he didn't he did. play. I don't. He didn't I play against the Colts. Did. Okay, Joe says no too. So I, I, I'm sure that is a big, big factor. I mean, he's not one of the guys that you talk about as one of the elite left tackles in the game. But if your left tackle is out and your quarterback is on a hobbled ankle, I mean, that's that's a recipe for disaster right there. But I was still, it it still goes. That I was. As I said, stunned that they could not overcome that and win a game at Arrowhead Stadium when they needed to bounce back, Joe. And I think a underrated aspect that not a lot of people are talking about is they miss Cream Hunt. I mean, this team yeah, is the yeah. ninth fewest rushing yards in the league right now. That's Andy Reid. Yeah. I, I agree with personnel, right? but it's, it's Andy Reid being Andy Reid, and he's getting away from the running game. He He had like... Growing up in Philly, again, I have more of an inside <laughs> inside view to this than, than many others. But he had years, Andy Reid, in Philly, where he did run the ball. Like, when LaShawn McCoy was at his best, he had one or two good years where he ran for 1,200-plus yards. And going way back, I mean, when he had Deuce Staley, um, in the, kind of the twilight of Deuce Staley's Philly career, I think, when, uh, when Andy was there, he had a couple years where he did run the ball pretty well. But, yeah, for the most part, if you take – a step back and see the forest and not just the individual trees. You're, you're completely right that that is his MO chiefs. Fifth fewest rush attempts in the league right now. Yep. Per yep. game. And, and you've got a quarterback who's hurt. Yeah. So you're, you're saying, Hey, win it for us. Well, coach, my Ooh. ankles. Yeah. So we'll, but we'll see that that's their issues. I want, I want to see. And again, one team I thought was going to be trash and has been this part is Denver. You just watch Denver beat the chiefs tonight in, in yeah. my high. So they're coming off two straight wins. Yeah, right? they are. They they shut out the Titans last week, Tennessee Titans, who we'll get to in a little we'll bit. Get in to our, yeah, our, our, in, in, <laughs> in, in, our in our dumpster fire section. Yes, exactly. So, uh, like I said, the promise that I wanted to bring up about the Houston defense. We were talking about someone else needed to step up for the Colts if they do finally decide to triple T. Y. Hilton. Probably won't be the tight end. I know this is real football, not fantasy, but these numbers kind of give you a good idea of what they're allowing to tight ends this year, and it's the fourth fewest fantasy points to tight ends. Um, no touchdowns yet this season. Mm-hmm. The most they're giving up is in a game is 58 yards. They're really clamping wow. down. But on the other side, they've given up the sixth most fancy points to wide receivers, eight touchdowns, um, only one... 130 yards was the fewest, and they've gone over 200 twice. We have a T.Y. sighting. What am I doing right now? That's right. I'm doing the T.Y. right here. But the one one thing that's been missing thus far with T.Y., he's off to another really solid start, are the big plays. Yep. It's been, you know, he's averaging, again, he's averaging nine nine points something. That's not T.Y. So that's why maybe this is the game to where, and I'm telling you, you're, you're rallying off these fantasy stats and all this, which is, sort of another analytical approach to thing. Frank Reich believes in analytics. He does. So they know all this information, what you may call fantasy stuff, and he, he's got analytics. So if if a team is vulnerable to this, they know it. So I maybe this is the game that they get their tight ends more involved. They tried the one game when Ebron, you know, littered the field. So uh, I, I the one thing that I do – trust this coaching staff on both sides after the Chiefs game with the defense is they're going to game plan for what's the best way to attack this team this week 
again at KC, it was defensively tons, tons more man to man, probably 80% of the plays, 90% as opposed to what normally 30%. And they just pounded. I remember the week before the KC game, I asked both Sirianni and, and Reich about, do you consider ball control? Do you want to keep, the, well, we don't, we don't look at, it. we're going to play our game. Well, that's what they did. Mm-hmm. They played ball control. Yep. Uh, weren't super aggressive. Maybe this is a game where they look at the personnel and they try to get T.Y. more involved because his big games, all of his games against the Texans, have involved those big plays, whether over the top, slants where he runs away from people. They need to get that into this offense to be where they want to be, not de-emphasizing their running game, but getting more threatening in the passing game. And I think Brissett can do that. He just hasn't done it yet. So if that's perhaps another key to this game, whether one was run the ball, like get Marlon Mack his carries, another one, find those big plays for T.Y. He's been able to get them against the Texans. He should be healthy. I mean, he's had had a week and a half, almost two weeks to get that quad healthy. And here we are diagnosing T.Y. Hilton. But uh, I I just think when he's healthy, he's going to get his seven or eight catches a, a week and make a difference. What you need are those chunk plays that have been missing. And I think another key to this game that I that I added, Joe, to, to your notes here is the is the finish aspect. The Texans lead the NFL with 12 comeback wins over the past two seasons. So when Deshaun Watson is back there, the game's not over because he can gain yards in a hurry. He has the receivers to help him gain yards in a hurry. And, uh, I mean, last week it was a fourth-quarter comeback, technically. They were down by one in the fourth quarter. Heck, in the first first half, maybe even the first quarter, they were down 17-3. Uh, against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. That's that's where some teams die. You know, you're down 17 well, three in Arrowhead already. At the end of the first half, they try to make something from their own. Oh, that was stupid. Well, what a, like, well, what the, are you doing? It was like 20, 20 seconds to play or whatever. Totally allowed the Texans right back in the game. Again, that's that was but the one thing Andy Reid, what are you doing? The, the, the one thing with Watson, I, I don't have this. I didn't bring the stat book with me, but uh, it was either third, third down. I think it was fourth quarter passing. Uh, Watson's his rating is like 140. So he's at his best when it's the tightest, when you have to make plays. And that's why I can say that's when his run pass threat and all the guys he's got really come to the surface. And that's why if you can, if you can get the running game going to where you've got some control of the game, you can limit him to maybe a, a possession or two in the fourth quarter as opposed to to three or four. Three if or you four, get that many, oh, he's, yeah. he's going to make plays and he's going to beat you. And that's probably our last key, our last main key to this game is to get to Deshaun Watson. We touched on this earlier. It's containing him. It's getting to him. It's both. It's keeping him in the pocket, in the well, as Frank Wright calls it, not letting him get outside too much. As Frank said, he's probably going to break out once or twice and get some plays, but it's helpful to have Darius Leonard back to limit those plays. Like you said, Mike, it's a seven-yard gain instead of a 27-yard right. gain. So. Um, get to him, get him sacked, put him down. Even though last year, the most time the Colts did sack him was seven in that overtime loss, and it was only three times they sacked him in that playoff win. So, I mean, it's not a hard and fast that, oh, if you sack him more, you're going to win. They'll, but, they'll get to him. Yeah. They're going to snap the streak, but but it, it's it's almost more important to me. Getting him down certainly is important, but containing him and don't let him, don't let him convert that third and eight with his feet when you've got perfect coverage. In the Texans' four wins this year, Watson was sacked six times. In their two losses, he was sacked 12 times. There you go, right there. So that, that I mean, not a it coincidence. Is. No, it is not. Not at all. So uh, predictions for this week. Colts-Texans, 1 o'clock, uh, broadcast by CBS4. Tune in at 1130 a.m. on CBS4 for the Colts' Blue Zone pregame show. Uh, but we'll go around with our predictions for this Colts-Texans game. Uh, I will start off. Uh, as we've said, the Colts have won four of the last five in this rivalry, uh, albeit only uh, one of the last four at home. I think they get another one here at home. I think you, uh, the Colts are one-point favorites, so says Vegas, but uh, Vegas, of course, also gives about three points for home field, so I think on a neutral field, Vegas would say the Texans are the slightly better team. Um, I'm going to go with the Colts, I think, a score of about 28. I think it's going to be a close game. I think 28-24, something to that aspect, and the Colts get a win here at uh, Lucas Oil and take over first place in the AFC South for the first time in a long time. I'm taking 24-23 Colts. I I just think, again, if this team wants to be playing for something important in December, these are the ones you you can't let go. You already let the the, uh, Oakland game get away from you. Uh, but I think this is a one, like I say, T.Y. told us, he said, you don't want to be in December wondering about a game you let go. And, and this, when it's division, you've already beaten Tennessee on the road. You just have to, you have to win your home games in the division. I think they find a way to do it. Joe. 
I'm going to go 27-24 Colts. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I think it's going to come down to one of the last final drives of the game. But if the Colts can get that key stop, I think they're going to come away with the victory. So. Frank Reich would like nothing more than to have a uh, the lead with the ball with five minutes to play. Yep. And just grind the heck out of it like he did with, uh, was it the Atlanta game? Yes, that was the Atlanta game. Because we know as bad as Atlanta was, if Matt Ryan got the ball back, he was going to score. Yep, you figured. And th- this is a game, too, if, he, if, if you don't finish on offense and you give Watson a chance, chances are he's going to find a way to it, beat it you. It just feels like he's going to score when right. he gets the ball in that scenario. And it would it, it would help to have Malik Hooker back in the secondary in, in that instance. But again, like we've said, doubt that he plays this week. Um, we'll have to pay attention for the rest of this week for the status of guys like a Pierre Desir and a Kenny Moore who have been injured and been kind of hobbling ever since the bye week. I don't um, think we've mentioned Gathers either. We've not mentioned he's, Gathers. He's, he was clear. He's, he's been cleared and he's practicing. Right. Which is which is huge. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather have Hooker back. Yeah. But I think Clayton Gathers being back, it'll give him a little more depth back there to where they're not scrambling so much at safety. Certainly a uh, very eventful week in the AFC South. Uh, I'm going to start with the Tennessee Titans because uh, in in spite of the Jaguars always being interesting, it's probably a more momentous week in Nashville simply because of the quarterback change. Uh, Marcus Mariota benched last week for Ryan Tannehill. That was against the previously one in four Denver Broncos, which defense is playing much better now at home at home again. Yeah. Um, So the Titans bench Mariota for Tannehill. And it is very much likely the end to the Marcus Mariota era, unless for by some reason Tannehill gets hurt and he comes back and is all of a sudden lights out. I, I would highly doubt that ever happens, judging by what we've seen from him in the past. But it's just, it's just remarkable to me that that year, that quarterback year in 2014 or 2015, whatever it was, the draft, I saw a list the other day. I wish I would have had it with me, but the quarterbacks taken in that draft, and Joe can look it up while I ramble here for a second, um, but... But out of all the great young quarterbacks we've seen over the past six, seven, eight years, whatever it is, who have been able to come in, play immediately, pick up things quickly, that year you had two guys that everybody loved in Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. And there was a debate, one, two. Chip Kelly, who was coach of the Eagles at the time, was trying to trade away the farm to get up Marcus for Marcus Mariota. He wasn't able to do so, and I think people in Philadelphia would be very happy with that now, looking back on the scenario. But but those two guys, you figured one of them was going to be a hit, but neither of them have been a hit. They could, they'll both both be somewhere else next year, it's, perhaps. It's, Mariota absolutely will be. And if he's starting somewhere, I'd be surprised. I, I don't think anybody can really bring him in and say, you're the starter right here you, after what he's done. You can't do that. Joe, have you found that list right now of the quarterbacks? Even like all the way down through, through the seventh round? Because sometimes you see guys later that make some kind of an impact. Uh, but, but in that class, it's just guys who have done absolutely nothing, it seems like. Let's see. Pulling it up now. Having a hard time finding it. I know yeah, it was like Joe. Trevor Simeon was yeah he one was of down the there yes, who was still that in did the league. something for for at least a little bit yeah um, yeah a interesting stat I found is uh, Mariota and um, Winston, Winston yeah both tied for the league league in sacks taken this season with twenty five mm-hmm. it, it I thought uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL dot com summed it up well he says how. Winston attempts too many threes, and Mariota misses too many layups. <laughs> he's, he, he's, we've talked about this, and, and it's sort of an extreme thing, but I've always thought that it's, it's, it's almost worse to think you have a guy than to not have the guy. Yeah, because it, it they, just they, sets they've you waited, back. They've, you wait four or five years mm-hmm. thinking he's 29 and 32 as a starter. And again, the, the, like you, I think this is probably it. How do you go back to him now, barring an injury? How you do you go you back just and can't. say, we really didn't mean to bench Again, he didn't get benched because he was hurt. He got no. benched because he was ineffective. Yeah. So, And it's funny because like two games earlier, he had three touchdowns against and a big win over, I don't know, I haven't got their shield in front of me. And people said, ah, this is the Mariota. Yeah, Cleveland game week one. This is, oh, yeah. no, there was well, later, even, it was even later, after that, yeah, it was he had another good that. one. But yeah, had a good game against they, Cleveland too again. They said, this is who we thought he was. Right. And then he, and then he, he tails off again. So... Uh, and again, Colts fans. Uh, can, it was against Atlanta. Ah, there, there we go. go. <laughs> put, put, <laughs> put an asterisk next again. to that one. But, but it, it's it's Colts fans. They just nod their head because the Colts fans have always seen the worst Mariota. Mm-hmm. Remember how we always they always saw well the saw best, the best Osweiler or, or, or Bortles or, or Blake like Bortles. Bortles. What did I see that Osweiler made? Was it 
was it a hundred? Like Some stupid amount of money. Forty-four, forty-some million dollars. Yeah. yeah, only in America. Well, he can go back and retire to his home in Montana, where he was in high school when I started out my career as a broadcaster out in Montana. Interviewed him once out there as a, just a young kid before he we went to Arizona State. Really, really nice kid back then. And uh, I, I was always happy to see him succeed, just because Montana boys we stick together. But uh, nevertheless, yeah, no, no more Osweiler. Remember when Houston paid him all that money? I do. I and do. Then traded him to Cleveland so they yep. could pay him all that money. Exactly. There you go, big guy. <laughs> Uh, I found the list of quarterbacks. Jameis Winston, yep. one overall. Marcus Mariota, two overall. Third rounders, we had Garrett Grayson and Sean Mannion. Of course, yes. Uh, Mannion might still be a backup somewhere. I think he is, yeah. Um, Bryce Petty, who I don't think is in the league anymore. I doubt it. It's taken by the maybe Jets. He's, uh, maybe he's in the XFL now, just had their draft <laughs> maybe earlier drafted, this week. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, we have to look. Uh, Brett Hunley, who backed up Aaron Rodgers for yep. a few years, yep. and then Trevor Simeon in the seventh round, who wow. ended up being the third best nothing quarterback. Nothing that year. Wow. Absolutely nothing. Wow. But it, but it, it's, it's to, to miss on an entire draft, I, I guess you'd have to say that the Titans and, and the Bucks whiffed on those guys, but it but again, when you when you when that guy doesn't do it, you reload. Yep. You simply have to reload. And and we we sort of had a, we were joking in the off season about at what point will, Tannehill be be the starter. And here we go, week seven. That's it. Tannehill's coming in. Does this make them better? Can't make them worse. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what well, you you mentioned here that what they were shut out. Mariota was. Where is it? He was seven of eighteen for sixty three yards and two interceptions, which is awful. Tannehill came on was thirteen of sixteen for one sixty three and a pick. I'm afraid that's what Tannehill is. Mm-hmm. He, he, he'll get you. He, he's like a lot of these guys. He's a tease where you think maybe, and then he throws that crushing interception. But I don't know where the Titans go from here, other than looking for you. You can't move ahead saying Tannehill's our guy. No, I don't think so. So you know that's one that's one of many teams going to be looking for a quarterback in the offseason. Titans yeah. uh, fifth fewest points in the league this far sixteen point three. Titans will host the uh, the don't call us the San Diego Chargers uh, this weekend two and four Chargers two and four Titans. Chargers are on the road again, huh? Yes, they are. They're, well, they're, they're, they're always on the road. On the road. Oh, even back in L.A., they're on the road. I, I'm watching that game the other night with Pittsburgh. Good lord! And I, I'm thinking. They're in L.A., right? First of all, yeah, Pittsburgh is like one of the best traveling fan bases in the league. Still. But, but yeah, that was, that was, in essence, a black and gold crowd at that arena. Crazy. The, the NFL should be embarrassed for, for putting them there and for this happening. And it's, 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 so, it's such a rough, rough experience for those players who have, who have no home fan base. And they're going to be a squatter none. in the new stadium yep. with the Rams. Yep. Oh, it's, by the way, the Chargers play here, too. Yeah. So that's the uh, the look at the Titans. The Jacksonville Jaguars, also 2-4, and four, uh, made headlines this week, trading all-pro cornerback Jalen Ramsey to those Rams. Good segue, Mike Chappell. The Jags receive a first-round pick next year from the Rams. They receive a first-round pick in 2021 from the Rams and also a 2021 fourth-round pick. And the, the, here, here's the, the miracle of all miracles, Mike. You know He's how, healthy uh, now. That, that's what I was going to say. Yep. Yeah, Jack, Amazing. Uh, he, had, he had a back injury with Jacksonville, was on injury reports and trying to see specialists. And now he comes to the Rams and not listed there on the injury report. All it report. took was a plane ride yep. across there the country. He is. Just, just I, a simple plane so, ride. So if I if I want to, if I've got some aches and pains, just get me a just go to L A. Four hundred dollar round trip, fly right. to L A. Get out and come home, and and you're back. So the the Jacksonville Jaguars have gotten rid of that uh, locker room disruption, if we want to call it that. Um, their defense this year has certainly not been fantastic, a far cry from what they were uh, two years ago when they were a player two away from making the Super Bowl, um, losing. Jalen Ramsey certainly is something. They've they've been down one or two guys on their defensive line from that, too, I'm pretty sure. And also, they don't have all-pro linebacker, or at least Pro Bowl linebacker. I don't know if he's an all-pro, but Telvin Smith uh, is not playing this year. He's taking the whole year. He's like, see you later. I'm not playing football. And they lose their quarterback. And Yeah, and they lose their quarterback, too. Um, so, anyway, the team is kind of in a maybe a mini-rebuild now if they're trading away one of their best players, uh, Mike, but... Uh, Gardner Minshew has been impressive enough, not spectacular. Two, two and three as a starter, fourteen hundred yards, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. How it's kind of like when you, you get a pitcher going through the the lineup once or twice. How how yeah will it go when people have tape of you? I'm skeptical, but you know what happened. I, I don't know when Foles is due to come back. Is it week 
nine or I think ten. It's the same, like we talked, I think we said it's, this last okay, week. So the same, same thing funches. as Funchess. Yeah, because okay. it was yeah, it was the collarbone and the same time Correct. frame for him. Well, it's funny because now Foles is an opposite scenario. The the he got injured and the backups coming in playing well, and it's kind of the opposite of what happened with him and Wentz in Philly. Well, what a tangled web we weave. Well, I, I'm expecting. I'm not betting on this. I'm expecting the the Bengals to leave the land of the Ofer. Oh, really? And beat the Jaguars Ooh. this in week in Cincinnati. Mike Chapel. Yes. Calling the Bengals. I'm betting. I'm betting Joe's money on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Spend all my money on this hat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh man. So that's our look around the AFC South for this and, weekend. And, and that just adds what we've talked about. That's what adds importance to Sunday. This is going to turn into a two-team race with the Colts. By, unless something strange happened with the Colts in Houston. So the, the last thing you want to do is be chasing in October, November. So th- this is a chance. I don't care how you do it. Fine. Cheat. Whatever. You know, benefit from some bad interference penalties. Whatever you want to do. But th- this is a game that if you want to be one of those teams in December, you have to win at home. One last thing I kind of wanted to bring up. We kind of quickly moved past the Ramsey trade. Jacksonville got quite the haul in that trade for Ramsey, they a did. player who they would have had to pay him a new contract soon. I don't know if that's something they would have wanted to do with the scenario the team's in. They're definitely not in win-now mode. Do you think that Jaguars definitely got the better of this trade? Well, it's... it's they got to hit the picks, of course. Well, I mean, for, for a guy that didn't want to play there, he, he you get two first-round picks. You got a great, great haul, I think. Th- th- this draft haul is similar to what uh, the Khalil Mack... Two first-round picks. Two first-round picks. The only difference I think it was is a second. There may have been a little bit more involved there. Yeah, it's similar to what Houston traded away to get Laramie Tunsil. It's kind of two franchises yeah. in opposite situations right, right now. Yeah. What you got to wonder is, it's not going to set a trend about a player forcing his way out, although that happened with uh, Antonio Brown two or three times. But Because it takes a special player. You need leverage. Mm-hmm. You need leverage to, to, to pull this off. But to have to have a team give away an All Pro Ramsey if he's not the best corner, he's top two or three. Yep, and he's still young. And if you're in a mini rebuild, you'd like to rebuild with Pro Bowlers with at least a couple guys, right? Yeah. So, uh, but I think that just sort of tells us the level of dysfunction between management and. Uh, uh, the, the the player. It's funny. I saw a, a a a clip of Doug Marone talking about this, and somebody asked him about what in the hell are you guys doing, trading this guy away. And he said he just sort of rambled a little bit, and it was clear that this wasn't his call. Mm-hmm. He said, I'd, "I'd like to have somebody up here to explain this to you, but they're not here." And he was pointing at Tom Coughlin. You know, if if the Colts would trade tomorrow, trade away Darius Leonard, I'll bet you. We get Chris Ballard on a conference call, and he explains it. So to put your head coach out there in that situation is wrong. Uh, I'm not saying that this was a wrong deal to do because it was obvious that this relationship was broken beyond repair. But don't leave your head coach out there twisting in the wind trying to explain what needs to be explained to not, not us, to the fan base through mm-hmm. the media. Right. And they handle it the wrong way. The Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Follow myself at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell, 36-year Colts reporting veteran. Follow him at mchapel 51 Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. Again, watch the Colts Blue Zone pregame show on CBS4 this Sunday, 1130 a.m. in central Indiana. This week, we're also spreading out a little bit to uh, to other markets in Indiana. We're going to Terre Haute. We're going to Evansville. It's going to be a, going to be a fun, fun weekend for the Colts Blue Zone, expanding our base uh, right come, there. Come to Beach Grove. Beach Grove. Well, you are in Beach Grove. It's well, we, we, okay, okay. Live from Beach Grove. Oh, there you go. Ooh, that'd be fantastic. Colts well, Blue Zone podcast, download, I'll need subscribe. to clean up my living room before you come in, though. Let's do it. Our, our on location in Mike Chappell's living room. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Blue Zone.